All right, so we have been, you know, mostly this show has just been watching old TV shows in a roughly chronological order. Like, we're not following any strict pattern, just the, the vague sort of idea is to follow the flow of TV and just see how things evolve. But I like that uh, sometimes we just bounce around a little depending on either what happened last week or just the whims of the week or whatever. Like, we're still vaguely following old TV shows, but if something happens or we have some idea or whatever, to veer off a little. So this week, I thought we could just find an old appearance of William Shatner on TV because he just had his 90th birthday. Did he? Yeah, last week. Jeez, he's well preserved. Yeah, because I was thinking that that like that Captain Kirk that you grew up with in Star Trek, he was never my Captain Kirk. Mine was from the movies when he was already an old guy with a punch. Older man. <laughs> no, no, yes. Yeah. yeah, old. I mean, I'm going to be that old soon. But uh, but yeah. So to me, my whole life, William Shatner has been a different guy. He's been old guy William Shatner. But yeah, it's weird that he's 90 because he doesn't. He still seems, he's still like in the public spotlight. He still seems pretty with it. He's still acting all the time. He's one of those cases where he definitely got plastic surgery, but not in like a bad way. He just looks all right. Mm. <laughs> so. Okay, so we're not, we're watching him pre-Star Trek. Yeah, so I was trying to find like first appearance on TV of William Shatner, but uh, I forgot he was Canadian. Yeah. Because I mean, I guess yeah. he technically is, but he left Canada probably when you were about five years old. Because <laughs> so I saw him, I have seen him in some things that are probably pre-Star Trek. Didn't know that, didn't know who he was. Right. Um, and saw them, I saw them after Star Trek, like as, as, a, as a grown-up, I would have seen them. And can't think of what they would have been, though. And they, but I don't think they were Canadian. I think the most famous one I always know him from is the Twilight Zone movie. Okay. Where he was in the airplane where the gremlin was on the the wing, and he's the only one that is seeing this thing. So everyone thinks he's just going crazy because he's nervous about flying, but there actually is a monster <laughs> outside the plane. But it's just kind of like goofy because it's called a gremlin, and yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's not one of the better, more beloved Twilight See, Zone things. I think things. he did stage acting. Like Christopher Plummer and those guys, you know, it started off with in theater before they went into TV. And if not, he certainly has all those trappings of a man who was a theatrical actor. You know, the, right. the bit of the the dr heavy drama and the intensity of his words. And but I think he may have started out in theater. Yeah, the little bit. I didn't do a ton of research because it just seems like, you know, if people want to know about William Shatner, there's probably 80 William Shatner podcasts. <laughs> you know, I didn't feel like it's something I really needed to dive deep into. But the little bit that I read was, uh, first off, yeah, that I kind of forgot he was Canadian, but I never knew where he was from. He's actually from Quebec, which I definitely didn't know. I thought he was from Ontario somewhere. Yeah, you just assume everyone's from Ontario, right? <laughs> so, or BC, maybe. But... Uh, yeah, he's from Quebec. He went to McGill University and, yeah, got into acting and theater and stuff like you were saying. And it seems like his first TV appearance was on the Canadian version of Howdy Doody, but that is not online. I could not find that anywhere. <laughs> okay. And then for the whole, like, early part of the 50s, it was mostly movies. He really was in movies more than TV, so there's not a lot of stuff. So this thing I did find is actually later on in our timeline. For us, I think it's the most recent thing we've watched. It's from 1959. So we're still in the 50s, but just barely this week. We're hanging on. We're jumping ahead a little. But, uh, yeah, I thought this would be interesting because this also is another little thread we've been following in this is weird unaired pilots. So this is a pilot for, have you ever heard of this character Nero Wolf? 
Yes, uh, I have. He's like a detective? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is an unaired Nero Wolf show from 1959 that William Shatner was in. And I just think that's so neat because nobody saw this at the time. Nobody knew what it was, and now it's on YouTube. Like, we mm. get to see it. But people in the 50s didn't get to well, see it. Well, look at that, uh, and look at that dragnet that we saw that had Leonard Nimoy in it. Yeah, yeah, so that's a connection, too, right? Yeah. All these weird little connections. I guess as we watch more and more TV, and, I guess. And the thing that's, that's interested me about this podcast, when we started this, I thought, oh, we're just going to see the usual type stuff that everybody talks about of early TV. Um, just a, Jack yeah. Benny, Lucille Ball, uh... Leave it to Beavers, what I was thinking. Those kind of shows. And really, we haven't seen any of them. We saw Jack Benny, but that's it. Yeah, I think it's mostly because I'm trying to sort of not skip ahead too quickly. And I think, yeah, a lot of those things we think of as the classic shows, I think were more of the 60s, maybe. So it's yeah, just taken a while. Yeah, but a lot of, uh, from the 50s, but we haven't, we haven't tuned into those. We've, yeah. You've really avoided those. So yeah. we've seen a yeah. whole gamut of stuff that probably most people have no idea exists. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get there, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, what's the hurry? Because <laughs> yeah. especially, too, we've gone through so many shows already, because, like, even when you go slow, it goes by fast. And, yeah, it's interesting doing these uh, random things, because uh, I was just looking at our YouTube page. Like, you know, the, the podcast feed's doing pretty good. The YouTube page is death. It's just there in case someone stumbles on it. No one watches these on YouTube, except Billy freaking Bunter. <laughs> like, when you look at what got viewed in the last week, Billy Bunter is number one with a bullet. And it's just like... Yeah, like, and I'm sure it's all British people that are probably annoyed that we don't know what it was and we never heard of it. But yeah, I never heard of it. But apparently, <laughs> it's either. deep in the soul of the British people. They they love that guy. <laughs> They're desperate for Billy Bunter. They're googling him all day. <laughs> so, so that's weird. Anyway, so yeah, Nero Wolf. I I never heard of this thing ever. But I mean, like, I just asked Dad, and he's like, Oh yeah, I heard of that. Like, I guess it's just just one of these famous characters. We don't know anything about him, but we've heard it. Yeah. We've heard about it. So I did a, a little teeny tiny bit of research. And uh, so Nero Wolf, first off, is one of those like silly names. Like it seems like like a bad writer when they come up with a name like Reginald Diamond Head or, or the Simpsons joke was Homer changed his name to Max Power. <laughs> you know, just these dumb names. Uh, but then I looked up the guy who, who made this thing. So he's a Nero Wolf is an eccentric armchair detective created in 1934 by writer Rex Stout, which is an even more audacious name than Nero Wolf. So I looked him up. I'm like, is that his real name? And that's his real name. So it's like Trent Reznor, like these people that you're like, that can't be their name, but it is. So I'm giving him a pass. He actually, his silly cool made-up name is less silly than his real name <laughs> so, so you know oh yeah and so this this Nero Wolf guy doesn't sound fun at all like apparently there's 33 novels this guy wrote this character for 50 years you know beloved whatever but listen to this description this sounds just like the worst Nero Wolf lives in a luxurious brownstone on West 34th Street in New York City and he's loath to leave his home for business or anything that would keep him from reading his books tending his orchids or eating the gourmet meals prepared by his chef. So he's just a just a guy who never wants to leave the house and just tend his orchids. Yeah, and he's and got these crimes. weird things. He sounds like a Poirot, Agatha Christie's character. Right. Who does leave his house to, of course, solve the crime, but he has all these kind of weird interests, too. 
Yeah, I don't know, it's just weird. This Nero Wolf guy just sounds like a blowhard. He sounds like the most boring man in the world. But to go along with that, this kind of ties into how all of uh, the superheroes and uh, Flash Gordon and everybody, they all have their sidekick. So this guy's dapper young assistant is Archie Goodwin, who I presume is who William Shatner is going to be. And he's the ladies' man go-getter who actually leaves the house. And <laughs> you know, So I assume Nero Wolf just stays at home being the most brilliant genius in the world, and he sends little Archie out to go solve Sounds the Sounds like Sherlock Holmes also. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of those guys around who are those odd guys who maybe they're not stay-at-home guys, but they're kind of... They're definitely, they've got these odd traits about them and they don't fit into society and they always have the sidekick who's very accommodating with everybody else in the world. Right. Here we go again, another one. All right, well, let's check out and see what William Shatner's early acting was like. Oh, yeah, so that's the thing, too, I guess, before this jumps in, because everybody makes fun of William Shatner now for acting like this. <laughs> but I think he's a better actor than people give him credit for. Like, if you look up those compilations of his corniest moments in Star Trek, some of them are a little over the top, but they're not that bad. People have just exaggerated them. Because I think, like you're saying, he was a, obviously a stage guy, and it's that stage style bones for god's sake you know like he just had weird cadence he said things in a staccato way but i think sometimes too he he developed that um john wayne did the same thing when you watch early john wayne movies those early uh, ford movies that he did he just is like a normal guy he doesn't stand out or he just nothing spectacular about him but later on as time went on he had that cadence in his voice that you know John Wayne from wherever but he didn't always act like that so perhaps Shatner did the same thing he was uh, establishing himself as somebody who through that voice everybody says hey that's William Shatner right just, they know yeah. him they don't even have to see the face they just hear the voice it's like uh, I heard that about um, Al Pacino you know, people talk about him that he used to be a more subtle actor, and now he's all hooah, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, yeah. But the thing I heard about that is it's not necessarily his fault so much. It's that when you're filming a movie, this was some on-set report somebody did of like, yeah, I was there when they made X whatever movie, and they did a bunch of takes. He didn't go over the top in all the takes, but it just becomes like you're saying that's his trademark. People expect the Al Pacino method. So when they're editing together the movie, those are all the takes that they pick, only his most over-the-top ones. Yeah, and another one is Jimmy you know. Stewart. Right. Same thing. Early Jimmy Stewart movies, he's just kind of one of those people that are just on the stage, yeah. on the uh, in the movie. But as time goes on... Fred's house. And as, soon as, hear, <laughs> as soon as you hear the voice, you know that's Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And maybe that was a trademark thing that some of those actors were doing at the time, or maybe that's why they got hired for the job. Um, as you said, like, don't be just Joe Ordinary on the screen. You've got to be you, it's Jimmy that. Stewart. Or All right, so let's watch 1959, uh, Unsold Pilot. Who we got Kurt, Kurt Katzner, Katzner as Nero Wolf and William Shatner as Archie. There's definitely stuff about it that I liked. 
but there's <laughs> stuff about it. It's more some stuff about the character I didn't like. The the plot was kind of neat. There's but the character I think you're not supposed to like. It's yeah. it's like okay, like Cuckoo Prillo, you don't like him, right? Because he's so French. He's <laughs> not not French, but he's just so yeah, particular. Just, even I guess I mean all the way up to now, like you were saying, how the new version of Sherlock Holmes is way more based on his weird OCD and yeah. stuff. Like I guess this is kind of this guy is clearly meant to be unlikable yeah, and obnoxious and and he's got to have the 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 archie character to kind of uh off play his unlikability but they had all kinds of interesting things in it um first it was it was it seemed so boring and dry yeah. but but when it all came together at the end you understood why it was like that because they were really working through how this man died and who was responsible and all this stuff. And then they'd put in little local color things, like, okay, at the very end, he's got a cold and a very severe cold, but he's drinking beer, but Archie's drinking milk. Right. So you're supposed to get the idea that Archie is a really good guy. Good old he's, American guy. And he's American so good-looking, and he's... Because he is. He's, very, he's, he's a very handsome man, as opposed to Nero Wolf, who's kind of overweight and he's got a foreign accent and he's he's just obnoxiously intelligent <laughs> yeah like i can see why this pilot never got made because it was kind of dry and a little boring and it's like what is this every week we're just going to see this guy never leave his apartment and just solve crimes like no thanks but it seems like it was really well cast both of them were those people. Yeah, and <laughs> like, they really did play off against, well against each other. And then, of course, the little twist at the end when you think that Nero Wolf is just so intelligent because he figured out this crime. And he told you over and over out loud that he's a genius. Yes, and he told you how he did it. <laughs> and he admitted at the end that his the, the appliance that he used to prove that the guy was murdered was fake he fudged that and he fudged the actor he had it all set up so his intelligence is not just off the cuff coming at you immediately he obviously had time 24 hours to work this out and have it all planned so and then at the very very end you find out that even at the beginning when he seems to be so smart because he's picking up these clues from the newspaper article that Archie's reading to him no, he had pre-read it, right? And he had worked it all out ahead of time. So even though you are to believe he's so intelligent and so smart and so superior to everybody else, he's a he, this man's a plotter. There even was sort of a sense that uh, once he had everybody together and doing the classic, you know, unraveling the crime in front of everyone, there was a bit of a sense that he didn't totally know what happened. He just knew that once he started pulling at the thread, like they would all reveal themselves yeah so it's the kind of thing that yeah probably in the books this all comes across a lot better because it is a it's a tightrope walk of like do you are you impressed by this guy or is he annoying or do you like him or do you not like him and it's just yeah it's uh, probably just didn't quite nail it in the show because then they throw in that little bit of humanity of that although he gives the impression of being so much more intelligent than everybody else he's actually uh he maneuvers things and he thinks about things ahead of time and he plots ahead of time rather than it all just unfolding right before your eyes which is what a lot of those mystery movies do 
uh, all of a sudden, like, the guy's just got the answer. And you say, geez, like, how did he get that? But in this case, they actually told you, you know what? He, he knew about this ahead of time. And he had time to think it out. So that's believable. Yeah, like, I feel like the show, it grew on me more as it went. Because, yeah, at, at first... It feels like, like I was saying when we were watching it, like a 12-year-old's version of a really, like, together awesome man of, like, this guy's so genius and so awesome that when he calls the papers and says, this guy, I know this guy was actually, that looks like a natural death, I know it was a murder, literally the newspaper headlines Sit up and listen. <laughs> of multiple newspapers were, Nero Wolf claims, and it just, like, you know, just silly nonsense. And then, yeah, it felt like he just had everything so easily and then yeah as the show went on i'm like okay this is better than it seemed it, it is like yeah. more it has, a, it has more depth to it because you do get the impression that this is this is a man who obviously has a big ego and thinks he's pretty freaking smart but he has to work at it right and that you can i can buy that i also i like that he was so uh obsessed kind of with the money side of it of like, look, I'm going to charge you for this and it's going to cost a lot of money. Because that's something that either these people just float in this ambiguous, like they're just detectives and they just are great detectives. Or they're like the Mike Hammer kind of, they're just sort of poor all the time. <laughs> and they just never seem to make any money. I like that this guy's like, no, nah, I got a fancy life in a fancy apartment in Manhattan. And he did have a debt there at the beginning, because remember they hauled out his financial statement, told yeah. you he was $6,000 in the hole? So he has to make some money from somewhere, too. But yeah, that's realism, where you, you talk about money. How much are you going to pay me? How much am I worth? Yeah, this is interesting, because like for the first like half of it, I was like, man, I don't like this character. And even even William Shatner... He was obviously the more likable one, but he's such a womanizer that it's like, Jesus, will you calm down? <laughs> but as we're talking about it, I'm talking myself into liking it more. <laughs> like, like I bet the books are actually pretty good. And that actor I, that played Nero Wolf, I didn't know his name, but I've seen him in other things. And he, he always does kind of play that kind of guy that's right. aloof and different. And yeah, it's got a few hang-ups in life. Uh, but I, I kind of liked them. I'd watch that again. Yeah. Well, you can't because they never no, made no, any more. They never made any more. <laughs> <laughs> but I would. But but if they had made a serial out of that, I would have watched that because I can see those characters really developing into something that you would really be very interested in those two characters themselves. And and yeah, like Shatner too. Like we were talking about his. Uh, his famous over-enunciations, like, he didn't really do that back so back in the day, yeah. That theory seems to hold true, that it just, like, becomes his trademark and then is a self-fulfilling prophecy, because in 1959, he was, he was fine, you know? Like, yeah. he was a little, uh, you could, like, a little, a 1% of it you could feel, but not... And in the early, early Star Treks, too, there's many of those early Star Treks where you don't get that over-emotional... Um, intensity that he acts, but sometimes you do. <laughs> he kind of he kind of fluctuates between the two. But yeah, not the worst. And that's yeah, that's the closest we've come to breaking out of the fifties. Nineteen fifty nine, almost. <laughs> but now I'm going to reel it back in because I just did that so we could watch William Shatner. Think about in the filming of that was quite well done. Like the photography, the the um, it, it was good. It yeah. was well done. Now TV at this point would be. Well, let's say even if we start back 1949, 1948, where it was real shaky. It's only 10 years later. And look how much better the quality of TV has become in a 10-year span. Yeah. And everybody had, would have had TVs by, not everybody, but a huge number of 
people by 1959 would have had televisions. Doesn't take long. Yeah, it's true.